the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me, as always, is editor Aidan Ormond. Hello. And online editor Kevin Whispering Airs. <laughs> and joining us is... We get complaints that he's too... He's inaudible on the podcast. And joining us is very special friend of 442, Stephanie Brand. Great to be here with Welcome you guys. Oh, and the crowd goes up. There we go. So we will be talking A-League, W-League... Aussies overseas and the latest news headlines. So let's kick off. A-League, round 17, kicked off last Friday. Melbourne Heart continued their seesawing form guide mm. uh, with a win. Tadic after four minutes, Garcia after 49. Concerns Kev for Adelaide. Uh, just, Bit of a wobble. They're schizophrenic at the moment, aren't they? Uh, you know, the, that's actually politically incorrect to say. They are up and down Adelaide. They have two yeah, different identities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think bipolar is the term you're after. Yeah, that, yeah that's <laughs> the one. That's it. It's like Sydney's weather, bipolar. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how you can go from the run that they've been on at other parts of the season to losing 2-0 to Hart, uh, how you can also, and we'll probably get back onto this later, you know, get rid of um, Sergio van Dijk and now Zenin Caravella, leading club champion, leading goal scorer, uh, and still expect to have a settled side. I, I don't understand what Kazmina's doing. In some ways, it's working for him because you know they're still in second spot, uh, clinging on. Uh, but in other ways, you got to wonder how much further they could be ahead if it was a more routine game plan, shall we say? Well, it, was, it was a weekend where the stats you know, really belied the results. I mean, if you look at the stats of this, Adelaide have 54% possession away from home. Uh, 12 attempts on target to Melbourne Hearts, 12, uh, and came away 2-0 mm. losers. I think Hart fully deserved the victory. I think Tadish is proving to be one of the best signings of the season. Garcia's doing um, very well as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, both teams are, shall we say, bipolar this season. Um, you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, Hart, good value for their money. And Steph... Uh, Injury to Fred, saw him limp off with a with a quad strain. It says strain at the moment. Um, he'll be pretty crucial to Hart if they're to go on to the finals and have any sort of impact. Yes, absolutely. That's always a concern, particularly with players like Fred who can make such an impact. And uh, it was so good to see uh, him back when he came from uh, from injury. And that will be devastating for uh, Johnny Aloisi if, if he remains uh, out of action. And someone that you, you will have come across many a time, I'm sure, Vinnie Grella. Uh, is rumoured to be pushing for a, for a starting spot this week. Be good to see him back in action. Oh, it'd be good to see him finally in action yeah. for the heart. We've all been sort of waiting with bated breath. I mean, I, I've always loved watching Vinnie play. And I know he had a rough trot at uh, at Blackburn and uh, so many injuries that he found. I think when he moved to that different style of play uh, in the English uh, Premier League, and I remember speaking to uh, to Big Sam, who was coaching him there, and he said that Vinnie was struggling with that different sort of play. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully he finds his feet at heart because... Uh, I think they're probably going to need him as well. Mm. I mean, he hasn't had too far to look for inspiration, Ada, coming mm. back, you know, looking up just up the road at Jason Kalina and yeah. how he's come back and has forced, you know, now sort of from going, you know, 60 minutes, he's now back to what you would say, approaching full fitness and starting to mm. have an impact on games. And scoring. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, I think, you know, 
It's not that easy to, to come into the A-League. I mean, people have talked about the A-League and the, the physicality of it. It's just gotten better and better. So I think since he moved to England in those three years since, the A-League's even stronger. So it has taken him a little longer than we thought. But it's great to have him back. September 2011, last game. It's a long time ago. Wow. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can do better than his Rovers debut. Red right. card and we'll, play, we'll play a little game talking about statistics. If you were the coach of a side that had gone away from home, had 50% of the possession, had 22 attempts on target, you probably wouldn't pick a 7-1 defeat out of the hat as being the end result. Was it the mm. most even 7-1 defeat? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a bit insane. I think I'll, I've kind of got this theory going around in my head. We were talking last week about how Ricky Herbert was being set up to fail uh, by management demanding the attacking, uh, new attacking side uh, and philosophy from Phoenix and how they were asking something from him at the wrong time that he was never ever going to be able to deliver. I'm now actually thinking, has Ricky turned the paradigm on the owners and said, right, if you want attacking, then I'll give you attacking and I'll forget about defence and this is what happens. Uh, 7-1. The, the, the stats would kind of back that up. You know, all-out attack, 22 shots on goal, uh, 50% possession and one goal to show for it and seven uh, goals in, uh, in reply. Um, it all just went horribly wrong for them. And whether or not that was deliberate, I don't know. It could have been very different, Ada. I mean, like, first five minutes... Let's get the proper yeah. pronunciation of... Stein Heiselhems. There we that go. Player. Helps, that player helps having a Dutchie on the pod to get it right. Yeah. Can you say so it one more time? Stein Heiselhems. Should have had two goals I in that I first want hear, time. I want to hear the Kiwi Sky commentators get that one right time after time. I mean, to start with, I mean, Thiago's positioning for that through ball was shocking. Got away with it. And that's one of those moments where if that goes in, Sydney at home, it does become a different game. They go 1-0 mm. down... Confidence disappears. Mm. I, I think, first of all, it was just an honour to see Del Piero. I actually saw his four goals his first ever in his career. To be to be sat there in front of you, right thirty metres away from it, seeing it was it was an honour. Uh, Heshigams, <clears throat> whatever his pronunciation is, <laughs> he really should have scored twice in that opening half an hour. I, I remember thinking this is going to be, uh, as predicted on the podcast last week, a landslide to Sydney, but. Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Talk yourself out of it. I, I, I mean, we'll get on to Del Piero, but for me, the key player in this wasn't the guy that scored the four goals. It was Joel Griffiths. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, it yeah. took him 11 minutes to make the most intelligent forward run that anyone in a Sydney shirt has made in front of Del Piero. And Del Piero put it on a sixpence for him and Sydney a 1-0 up. Yeah. But also, it was, you know... Joel Griffiths' ability up front to, to hold the ball up, to not give away possession, just encouraged Del Piero and Kalina that they could play the ball forward and then get forward to support without being caught in possession because the ball's just going to come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think he, he was just critical to everything. Absolutely. And finally, we see Del Piero then truly in his best position, which is with the ball, 25 yards out, with some space, in the hole, not 25 a further 20 yards back, you know, because he's got a defensive responsibility. Mm. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, we said that in the preview last week, that that, that, is, that is exactly how they should play. And, and you, it should also be remembered that that pitch was very quick. So that ball that came over was absolutely perfect because it, it bear in mind that it was a quick pitch as well. And yeah. Perfect. I think Joel's the player that Sydney have been looking for virtually since day one, to be honest. He is that exciting, arrogant, charismatic, 
goal scorer uh, who the crowd can get behind. And combined with Del Piero, that is just a phenomenal dangerous attack and something that will bring fans in to see week in, week out. They're still going to work in the defence, clearly. Uh, There's still a lot of work to do there and signings to make there. Uh, But in terms of attack, Sydney finally are exciting to watch. Well, and Sydney finally are looking at uh, they might actually uh, make the grow to be in any sort of playoff contention. Yeah. It's been really yeah. important for Frank Farina. I know there's a lot of talk about uh, who potentially may be coming in to, uh, to manage that side next season. I think that's been difficult for him because if he signs players, uh, then a new coach is brought in and they have to start from square one again, which is uh, the old tale of Sydney. But uh, with a player like Joel Griffiths coming in and being able to make that sort of in- impact has been really important for Frank. And if you saw Joel at training uh, perhaps before Christmas, he looked a yard short of match fitness so he's come a long way in those few weeks and kudos to Frank that's uh, that's great that they can get things happening now because as we know if Sydney fails then it's uh, a big hole in the Mm. A-League market yeah, yeah. they really are. They're rewriting the script for the season mm. at this stage. Who would, you know, you honestly <laughs> would have thought it was far too late for them, but yeah. I can't. Maybe they were just killing us all along. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Del Piero wrote this script. He was like, look, I've, you know, I've never been a loser in my career. Let's just lull them. Let's get to bottom. And then we start. Then we yeah. really come back. Well, it yeah. worked because it's very kind of you, not to mention the fact that I tipped a draw for that match. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. Shared possession. We've I mean, we, <laughs> we talked about this a couple of times, Steph, with the change to the final system this year. You know, for once, it is going to be a, a lot more possible and plausible for a team finishing fifth and sixth to win the competition. Which because is a bit depressing, only got to win I two feel. Games. Isn't that sort of applauding well, mediocrity? No, no, we were talking about this last week. I don't think it is because I think by shortening the final series, making it more of a shootout, it actually puts more emphasis on winning the league, which is a bit more like, you know, the football that mm. we all know. Yeah. You know? So I think having the, the shootout rather than one and two playing each other again over two mm. is let's have it as a shootout. You know, because I think the fact that fifth and sixth can win it by you know getting to the final of winning two games actually makes the league more of the the real test of a, of a team over the season. Yeah, I think you're right, and that's uh, well, as you say, we're all used to first past the post, and yeah. it's always a bit odd when uh, they then play off and a, and a lower team comes through. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, perhaps it is it evens it out. Yeah, Jacker, can I also just say I was 30 metres from the penalty decision against Jura and Stonewall 100% that was never ever ever a penalty I was was watching it again on television last night and uh, Kalina ran into him, he actually runs into him and with his elbow up and Durante goes down and he's looking for the foul and to get pinged for a penalty from that you can see the absolute shock on his face, it was Mm. never a penalty at all, it was a foul worst decision I've seen this season yep Sure, we'll get on to the W League shortly. I think if if you spoke to Jura after the game, he'd say that as well. All right, Perth Glory, Melbourne victory. Uh, It wasn't one that will last uh, long in the memory and was settled by an own goal, fittingly, um, from Scott Jameson. Um, But from victory's perspective, a massive three points there. Hugely important uh, for them. The interesting thing that came from that, I I didn't think too much in the match, to be honest. The the result was important. But what I thought was interesting was um, Angie's post-match interview, uh, where he was asked, you know, monkey off your back. And he says, oh, it's not a monkey off my back. You know, it might be for victory, but it's not mine. And I think I could be reading too much into this, but I think it's an insight into Angie's mentality where he's there. He's going to, you know, do the best possible job for victory. He wants two titles on the trot. But if you cut him, he's not going to bleed blue. 
He is not Melbourne victory through and through. He's there and he's doing a professional job. And I think that's interesting. I think he's, he's got... That's still football these days, though, ain't really. Well, it Coaches, is, players. it is. But, you know, I think to put it out there and say, no, it's not victory for me, it's a victory for victory, uh, was an in- interesting distinction to make from my money. As I say, reading too much into it, maybe. But that is trademark Ange, though, isn't it? And we remember when he went up to Brisbane Raw, how he put a broom through the place, and everyone was absolutely appalled. And uh, for him, it was just the job. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it, from Ange's perspective, I mean, he'll look at the stats and see that they only have forty percent possession, which is unlike an Ange team. You know, he likes that level of control. Mm. Um, but on the plus side, you know, yeah. come so away with three points. Less possession than Wellington Phoenix. And, uh, so, and yeah. three times less shots. Yeah, but I think the, the key for me was Flores. I think I think he, he, this is one of his best games of the season. Um, he's sort of instrumental in the in the goal, even though it was an own goal. Um, and yeah, we did t- tip this last week as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, was, that was my one correct tip. Okay. <laughs> I've been shocking on the tipping. Absolutely, it's the worst shocking. league to tip. Though. I've, actually, is, I've actually started to get Aston to do it. Just, just point, <laughs> just point at the screen, mate. Aston's his dog, by the way. Aston's my dog. Um, if you sit in Twitter this morning, you would have seen him with his Villa scarf on for the Villa game this morning, crying. And then, and then when it got to about ten minutes ago, he'd taken it off and was asleep, and the scarf was just discarded <laughs> on the sofa. He got the right idea. Um, F3 derby, nil nil. Cracking match, then. Yeah, it for was a nil nil. It was yeah. a cracking match. Full of excitement, a uh, lot of chances. McGlinchey lighting up. Uh, that was a hell of a mazy run into the box. Mm. He did just denied at the final shot. Will we see the Mariners? You know, will we see McGlinchey sort of come to the fore a bit now to replace the hole that Rogic has left? Uh, you know, he can play in that sort of number ten role. Yeah, I mean, I think McGlinchey has been one of these quiet improvers, uh, while other players have been grabbing the headlines like Amini and Rogic over the last couple of years. McGlinchey has come in as a ro- very raw youngster uh, and has improved dramatically and steadily uh, with the Mariners. And yeah, I can see him stepping up. You know, he's, he's a very, very strong little player. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot more of him. Yeah, ironically, he's a, he's a former Celtic player. Yeah, no, they've yeah. now lost Rogic to Celtic, and he's a Celtic player. They never really made it at Celtic, did he? No, he was uh, in the reserves. Yeah, that's why he headed this way. Central Coast is another one of those uh, conundrums, though, isn't it? I mean, if you look at their uh, uh, their position on the table, of course they're still top, but with the the best goal difference and the meanest defence, uh, they should be a lot more than just three points ahead of second place. Mm. But it was a bit like last year. It's like they, you know they sort of ran away with it a little bit until January then lost a couple of key players and then it's like hanging on for grim death to yeah. try and keep that position for the back half of the season hanging on like grim death to their players is yeah. uh, <laughs> the story yeah. again um, the final game Brisbane Raw uh, Mike Mulvey again doesn't really seem to be turning things around um, although they took the lead although it's somewhat fortunate bit of a ricochet that fell at Mitch Nichols' feet but he finished it well but then Western Sydney Wanderers, the march continues. Mm. Popper's army, mm. Bridge Popper. and Hersey. Um, I mean, let's talk about Ono's uh, awareness and intelligence for the second goal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know there's been a lot of debate about whether or not he was off. He should have been judged to be offside. I don't think there's any question. It was a very intelligent. He looked around, saw he was offside, and ran back to get back onside. Uh, that's that's what you should do under the circumstances. He never touched the ball, never went within five metres of the ball. Uh, and it was just brilliant professionalism to realise where he was in relation to other players and get back into position. 
and Wanderers, what can you say about them? I mean, it's just a fantastic late season effort from them. Uh, completely turned around from being defensive to being attacking, coming back from behind at Brisbane Roar. Uh, tremendous story. Bridge, reliable, re- regular, consistent goal scorer. Steph, I mean, we've just talked about Ange. You know, we've, we've seen you know, Partelou's departed. Um, and there were calls, I know, from the Fox Sports guys afterwards so, you know, saying that this team sort of, you know, has gone its course and needs sort of re... You know, reimagining. Um, I mean, what's your take on their sort of fall? Well, uh, first back-to-back champions and largely the same squad. Well, and that champions mind. curse uh, striking again, isn't it? Uh, the coaching uh, change perhaps uh, difficult for them, uh, but Mike Mulvey has past experience of doing that and I did send him a message this week saying uh, you should have been at Amy Park this weekend because of course he left the Melbourne yeah. Victory women who are in the grand final uh, which he had a laugh about. Uh, I think he needs time with this side to uh, to truly develop them but the, the Brisbane Raw players that we have been used to seeing step up and uh, I actually saw the game highlights because of course uh, we were doing W League over the weekend but uh, when you've got players like Broich missing sitters that's, there's no excuse for that, and quality players don't do that. Uh, so I think they're lucky a bit of confidence, and whether Mike can get that out of them this season uh, is is the question. And he only has this season as well. He's, he's only on till the end of the season, so um, he hasn't really... I think the problems are deeper than just bringing a new coach in. I think Ange was always that sort of coach. We were talking before about Ange. He's the sort of coach who would have brought in new players... You know, people would have gone. Well, you know, this is this is you know this is strange, but he's that kind of coach. They've kept the same players. The lack of motivation there, and he's the master motivator. So, I think uh, it's going to take a long time before they can get back up. I mean, from working on the on the W League stuff, I mean, what insight can you give us into Mike Marvel the way he operates? You know, is he can he be a tough taskmaster when he wants to be? He certainly can be, and uh, he did at Melbourne Victory. And if you recall, he came in literally days before the season started. He had no pre-season preparation. And while they had an up-and-down start, uh, he took them into finals contention before he left, and he left with two rounds of the regular season still to go. Uh, and we remember at Gold Coast, uh, he did the same thing when he stepped in for Blyberg there. Uh, and he, he really just uh, the, and spoke about man management, and he was very, very good at that. Uh, what I've been a little bit interested with what I've seen of Brisbane Raw is that uh, we're used to, Mike, uh, perhaps putting plans in place and sticking with certain formations and combinations and there seem to be a few changes going on in Brisbane. I wonder if that's unsettled the side and they're unable to find any rhythm. Uh, perhaps that's something he's sorting out but without uh, asking him directly it's, it's difficult to tell. And mm. Steph, it's interesting that they've got two W League coaches on the Brisbane Royal bench, Mulvey and Hopkins, <laughs> yeah. which I don't think you often see. <laughs> you don't. Well, but Brisbane, you know, are in, are in a little bit of a similar position to, to Sydney in that, you know, we're, there's a lot of players coming off contract, not just for their clubs, but other clubs. And the board is not going to necessarily allow those coaches that are in place and in interim positions to make sign-ins. And the danger is those players come then commit to another club because they're looking after themselves before the new guys even come in and had a chance to have a look. But so Andy, think, don't you think that's a, a, a traditional shortcoming of the A-League? Absolutely. That there is no forward yeah. vision yeah. and... 
they hold cards very close to their chest. Mm. They don't tell the coach where they're going to be re-signed mm. and therefore it's just not possible to make those decisions into the future. And we have seen it time and time and mm. time again at Sydney FC. And because of the salary cap, there's no room for movement. The yep. new guy comes in, if he doesn't like the look of six or seven of his squad, there's nothing that he can do. Yep. Mm. You know? mm. Yeah, so it's going to be... I, a... I think there'll be more players leaving at the end yeah. of the season. I'm certain of that. Oh, yeah, I think Royce will go to Asia, I think... Borussia might get Asia as well. I, I can't see this squad staying together unless Andrew returns, which ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, unless it's take nothing away, Kev, from, from Western Sydney. Another, again, professional performance. Fantastic, yeah. I can't speak too highly of them. And, you know, when you see them putting in those kind of performances and that kind of mentality uh, where they can come back from being a goal down uh, away from home uh, against the reigning champions and come away with a win... You've got to look at them as being serious title contenders uh, come the run-in to the season. Okay. Well, let's look at the ladder is like this. Uh, Mariners top still. 35 points Adelaide. 32 points in second. Melbourne victory on 30. Western Sydney now on 29. And then there's a fair gap, eight points, which is a fair amount to make up over just 10 games, uh, to Melbourne Heart and the Jets on 21. Sydney on 20. Glory on 19. Brisbane on 17. And Phoenix on 16. Right, let's turn our attention to W League. The semi-finals happened over the weekend as well. Plenty of football action. Uh, Steph, you were there. ABC was covering those. I, I got told off earlier, I have to say, for, for a tweet that I put. Because <laughs> I'd switched from the uh, high-definition Fox to watch a bit of the W League. And there was... There was a difference in picture quality. Oh, sorry, um, did you say like the 1970s World Cup, I think? <laughs> Don't worry, we sorry. read it. But <laughs> hats off to the ABC because they are showing the W League. And we you can't be very crawl back now, Jacko. <laughs> All right, so this. Sydney FC uh, got up over Brisbane Raw. Goals from uh, Annalie Longo, Sam Kerr with two. Um, was enough to get Sydney through to a grand final. Um, but the drama was really at Perth versus Melbourne. It certainly was. In fact, there was drama in both. They were two absolutely cracking matches. Uh, Brisbane Raw, of course, uh, the previous week they had taken the premiership or the minor premiership, as we're not supposed to call it, uh, and they uh, looked for all money to be the form team. Uh, Belinda Wilson, their coach, was new this season as well, and uh, she took perhaps five or six weeks to get the side sorted, but by that halfway point she had combinations working, the attack was working, and they looked like champions mm. for anyone's money. What happened to them between beating Canberra 5 1 mm. in round 12 and losing to Sydney FC is anyone's guess? <laughs> and uh, Alan Stadgic has a young side who he's had 12 new players in his squad this season. Uh, a lot of them are just babies, and they all stepped up for him. They never ever stopped. Emily Gilnick uh, got the first goal for Brisbane, and from then on, it was all Sydney. Right up until the very end, Emma Kete got a, a late red and she was sent off. And uh, there was a lot of drama at the end. It looked like that uh, Brisbane would actually equalise against 10 men, but it didn't happen. Claire Polkinghorne, uh, I don't know if you'd say she fumbled a chance, but there was a very, very good chance for her to have uh, scored that third goal and uh, sent it into extra time. But it didn't happen. Sydney goes through, and then we went across to Perth, Melbourne, where you say, Andy, geez, that was an exciting match, and uh, <laughs> full of... Uh, 
Shall we say questionable refereeing decisions? I think. I think Lisa Devano would put it a little bit stronger than that. I think she did. Didn't she? <laughs> she did, and there was a little bit of. Uh, oh, it was uh, a hot old day to be going. On the a, it was a hot old day to be going to penalties. I think it was like 34, 35 degrees there, wasn't it? So. It certainly was, and I, I think uh, perhaps the question around that initially was: Should Perth have? equalised to start with. Colette McCallum, for anyone that saw it, uh, was given a free kick just outside the 18-yard box. Never a free kick. Uh, that was as, just as bad as the Jira one. Yeah, and... and never. <laughs> see, and you said that one was the yeah. worst one you'd ever seen. No, yeah. this is worse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, it looked like um, Michael Rodahuli for Melbourne got all ball. She came in. Beautiful tackle. Anyway, Perth was given the free kick. McCallum shoots them for fun. She's a bit Del Piero-esque. She put it right up in the top corner. Not a chance of that being saved. Uh, but that was it. Perth didn't really create too much else. And uh, Melbourne defended like champions. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if they do become that. Penalty shootout. The next interesting decision, of course, because uh, just to bring our listeners up to date, uh, there was a retaken penalty, the last penalty for Melbourne victory to actually win the match and go through. Um, the referee brought it back and and asked Jessica McDonald to retake it because she thought the Perth keeper had moved off her line. Now, if you go back and look at the penalty shootout and concentrate on the keeper... In nearly every single one, the keeper had moved off mm. the line. Now, I think that's probably standard for a mm. penalty shootout, mm. but why the ref chose that particular mm. one uh, was... It's oh, a big call. It was you a know, I mean, do, I mean, do you think, like, because most keepers will take that one step forward to push off, to go either left or right, mm. do we think that, that she's made... It brought it into more focus for the officials because she saved it with the feet? I think uh, th that was one point, and I think also perhaps when you know that this penalty can win it, you pay particularly close attention. Yeah. So whether that uh, went through her head, uh, we'll probably never know. And, uh, of course, we... Um, Not allowed we, to ask. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and one doesn't want to be too critical of the referees uh, because, again, we always say it's human error. But I've got to say the standard over the two games, um, I'd hope for better. And I had a chat to uh, Hesarina Dros, the new... Uh, uh, Matilda's coach about this yesterday. That and just tripped off your tongue there, didn't That it? did. I practiced all Dutch? morning. <laughs> oh, what do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> and uh, her philosophy on that, because she was actually at both matches, she said the players have the chance to win the game in regular time. You don't focus on the referee, you focus on the player's performance, and if they haven't won it, then, well, it's in the hands of the referee. And what's been her impressions of the W League? Uh, yeah, yeah, she seems to quite like the uh, the combinations that they play, and and she spoke a lot about the the level that they're playing with. Uh, her main bugbear with the league, as for all of us, is that the season's too short. It's blink and miss, mm -hmm. and and twelve weeks is not long enough. Therefore, a lot of those players are going to go overseas, and she needs to start putting them into camps and start looking ahead to the Asian Cup 2014 and the World Cup 2015, and she needs players here to do that. So there's a bit of a, a uh, I guess an issue, a challenge that she'll have to overcome there. But she was Holger quite happy. Sat next to her going, "Welcome to my world." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, she seemed to really enjoy the W League. And if you think about the fact that she arrived on Thursday into Sydney, uh, by Saturday was in Brisbane and Sunday was in Melbourne, and she'll be at the final. Sorry, in uh, Perth. Yeah. <laughs> so she crossed the whole country, and then she'll be in uh, in, in Melbourne on Give Sunday for the grand final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Steph, can I ask you? I just, the, the subplots uh, just going back to the raw Sydney game. I mean, the subplot was the, the season earlier with the whole cheating claims against... I mean, did that play much of a part uh, in Stadger's pre-match? 
I'm not sure how much it played a part in Stadge's pre-match, but uh, he certainly had his mouth zipped for the whole match. He wasn't risking another red. Kai Simon uh, seemed to be relatively quiet, so I don't think either of them wanted to risk uh, spending the beginning of next season in the stands again. Uh, it's a grudge match, and as it always has been in the A-League as well as that Brisbane-Sydney rivalry. And I think uh, Sydney felt hard done by last year, so they were, mm. they were the hungry side. I, I don't know where Brisbane went. And for the listeners that, that are probably more A-League than W-League focused, mm. who are the names that have sort of come through this season? I mean, Steph Catley at Melbourne has really sort of, you know, advanced her claim to be a, a permanent Matilda. She's broke through recently. Are there any other young Matildas coming through that, that people should be aware of? Well, there's quite a few, uh, actually, and it was a bit disappointing to see some of them go out with injury this season. But uh, you've got all the old stalwarts, and all of them were on the park for... Um, for Perth Glory, the Colette McCallums, Katie Gills, Lisa Devanas and the like. Uh, but the youngsters coming through have been have been really exciting. And there's one girl at Sydney who I um, hope we'll see on the park on Sunday, Larissa Crummer, who's uh, she's an absolute star. And it'll be interesting to see if she breaks through. Of course, they're all now coming through under a new coach, so all bets are off and they've got to prove yeah. themselves once again. Okay. Well, we'll preview the final in part three. Um, but that's it for part one. We'll be back. In part two, to look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, featuring a world-exclusive one-on-one interview with Man United's Rio Ferdinand. We catch up with high-flying soccerer Brett Holman and Western Sydney's marquee man Shinji Ono. Our secret interviews and player poll lifts the lid on what UK professional football is really all about. And get ready for your new season with 442 Performances' pre-season training guide. If you love football, you love 442. Buy it today at the App Store, Google Play, Zinio or your local news agent. You know business could be better. You know you need more skills, but you also know you haven't got time to learn those skills. Go to workshops or listen to webinars. Don't stress. Listen to Business Success Radio for all the latest ideas to make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice from dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car or on your phone. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the uh, second part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, we're going to look at some of the news that's been happening this week. Busy week as always. Um, first of all, through gritted teeth, I'm going to extend my congratulations to Curtis Good and his Bradford side who... Uh, Overcame Aston Villa this morning over two legs to. Uh, it's generous of you. Yeah, to be the first, I think, fourth division side to make a cup final in probably a hundred years. I think Rochdale were the last uh, in about the twenties or thirties. I think. Um, so yeah, so at least we'll get to see uh, hopefully one Aussie play at Wembley this season. Um, that's assuming that his loan period doesn't yeah. expire before the final. Assuming Newcastle don't need him back <laughs> yeah. as well, which I think they do. He's probably done well, actually. He's like he's avoiding all the shit fight that's happening at Newcastle at the moment mm. and has quietly made his way to Wembley. <laughs> um, you didn't have much of a test today, to be honest. I think Villa didn't really have much width. But anyway, um, let's get on to the news. Melbourne Victory unveiled three new signings this week. Jesse Macaroonis from Perth Glory. Uh, Francesco Stella, who has spent time overseas in Scotland. Rangers. And uh, Scott Galloway. So, um, as we were talking about, he, in, 
in the first part about A-League coaches not having that security or not being in a position to shuffle their pack at this point in the season. Ange has got that benefit of that security. He's let a couple of players go recently, Julius Davis, um, Peter Franjic, so he's moved to replace those. You'd probably say that this is more Kev with an eye on next season rather than this. I mean, you know, do we see these guys really sort of forcing their way into a starting lineup at the moment? I wouldn't have thought so, to be yeah. honest. I mean, uh, Stella's not had a game, a first team game for Rangers, as far as I'm aware. Um, and the others, Macarunas left because he wasn't getting first team. He's got a good head on him, though, Stella, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just always makes me think of the uh, Seinfeld episode. Stella! Stella! It's going to be great for the commentator. Well, I, I think typical Ange signings, young players with a point to prove. He loves that. Somebody who comes in, feels that he should have played at his previous club. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if they do play because, you know, Andrew Naboo, who ever heard of him? He barely played any games for victory at all. I think he played one youth game and he was thrown in against Sydney. We know what happened then. So you know what Andrew's like? Yeah. Andrew loves Ados. Well, I mean, for an 18-year-old, he wasn't backwards at coming forwards. His quotes, he said that... The, the training, he said that uh, it was different to what I've been used to at Perth. It's all with the ball. <laughs> That's what I like. He said, we just play lots of games at Glory and it wasn't the same. But every club's different. They look at training different to what Victory does. Um, don't know what that says about what's going on over at Glory. But, um, I think his yeah. agent is going to shield him from the media for the next month or so, from my understanding. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Perth, Glory, old school. I think it's what we all knew anyway. <laughs> Right, Tony Popovich has, uh, has praised his players, uh, their mental strength, turning around a 1-0 defeat um, for that win. Uh, you know, he said that, you know, and, he, and he's now also said for the first time that you know, fans should start to get excited about the prospects of finals football. You know, he's, and Steph, I mean, you, know, you, you spend a lot of time interviewing coaches and you know, what's been your take on how Popovich has handled himself this season is his first head coach's uh, position. I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, he, I, th- I feel, had quite a bit of pressure on him because th- that uh, franchise had to succeed uh, because it would have all come down on uh, FFA's head if it hadn't. Uh, so Popper, uh, while he probably didn't need to or doesn't need to win the league to be hailed as a success, uh, the way he's handled the season and he's been very circumspect in, in what he predicts for the side. Uh, he was clever in his signings and we spoke about Shinji Ono before and to sign a player who perhaps didn't get all the headlines to start with but we see him tracking back in defence, playing forward and attack. He can play with his back to goal his uh, his awareness of where his fellow players and where the ball is, is just sensational and he's done a great job for Popper uh, so good signing uh, by Tony there uh, but the way that he has... Uh, He's just always been very balanced, and I love interviewing Popper. He just—he's the same all the time. Mm. If he's mad, he's the same. If he's deliriously excited, you wouldn't really know the difference from his tone. Mm. Yeah, although I hear he's, his, his hair dryer is pretty impressive. You know, mm. Yeah, I mean, he's, he he's not—he's not what you call media friendly. You know, he's—you know, he—he—he mm. he, he likes certain people. He trusts certain people, but he's not. He's not an outgoing media person. No, you know, he's, he he's not he does vivacious. And, yeah, he does. You know, he doesn't go beyond that. But now we, maybe we're starting to see him 
you know, come out a little bit more um, because it's, you can't you can't ignore what they're doing anymore. No, but you know, having said like, that, well, I think it's also worked in his favour because he's not been out there in the media saying uh, we're going to be the next best yeah, thing. Yeah, he's made no boasts, no promises. Huge. He's yeah. never promised anything more than he's delivered, uh, and I think that's in the long run worked well for him. The beginning of the season it was frustrating because you know you weren't getting access to him, you weren't getting much interesting copy out of them. Uh, and then, you know, the initial results where it was very, very doer, mm. you know, uh, a point-driven uh, football. And then now it's coming together. Uh, and, yeah, he's going to have to be a bit more expansive. And, he, you know, the signs that he is, he's now talking about, you know, finals football. Uh, and uh, the only, my only concern is the, the way the FFA have come down on the fans now. Uh, and next home game is going to be interesting to see. How much of the colours uh, and the atmosphere is still going to be there now that the FFA have uh, banned instruments and drums and megaphones? Confetti, I believe. Confetti, oh. flags. Mm, Confetti's uh, very Some of it's selling yeah. for one game, though, isn't it? I think, I think. I'm not sure if it's one game or not. Some of it is. is. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of it is, because I was on Twitter on this on Saturday. Well, that you would know, be uh, devastating if they were in the atmosphere there, because that has been. They've, they've uh, built up such point. a great. While she, was, did, you know, while she was saying that when they came down to the W League, how fantastic that atmosphere was. Well, some of the red and black block came out, and mm. for Walsh, it was doubly uh, fantastic, because she, of course, was retiring. And. She said it was the most amazing atmosphere that she's played in front of. And, uh, well, we'll talk about it shortly, but yeah. we're hoping that Victory and uh, mm. the Cove can do the same. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else? Seb Ryle in Player Praises Current Manager Shock. Um, <laughs> they said that Frank Farina's influence can't be uh, understated in their impressive mid-season revival. Um, lads, you've been down to training. Kev, a lot. Yep. Cincinnati. Do you, what have you noticed in the difference between what was happening under Ian Crook and what you've seen recently under Frank Farina? Uh, I was at training yesterday and it's much more intense than it has been under Crook and probably was under Lovishka as well, to be honest. Uh, yesterday was mainly uh, a game environment where they had the, the goals back-to-back in the middle of the park uh, with players in the, the outfield acting as one-touch bounce boards effectively for them uh, and they had 8 to 10 games of about 5 minutes each I mean really really gruelling and intense and really hot mid-morning sun uh, and you know it really it was pushing them to breaking point it was a Tuesday so you know they were, yeah that's uh, the work day it's yeah. the work day it's getting the most out of them on the Tuesday so they've got the rest of the week to recover and build up again um, but it was very very intense and you know they need it it's something that's been lacking recently, certainly this season and many seasons prior to that as well. Um, everything's done with the, the ball uh, that I've seen so far. It's it's pretty professional, I have to say. You know, the, <laughs> as, you know so, you? as you would hope. Well, yeah. you would hope, but I've been to Sydney training sessions and frankly it's been a joke sometimes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, do you think, Kev, that that's down to Farina? Where do you think their season would have got to with just Crookie there? With Crookie, they would be still in a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, Crookie's a lovely bloke, uh, a nice guy, but he just wasn't cut out for that particular role, I don't think. And, you know, the squad alone kind of showed that without looking anything, at anything else. The, the people he'd selected and was going to use this season, you know, I was looking... I go down to training, especially when they've made new signings uh, to get new pictures, because we need more pictures for stock. And 
I don't know how many times I've been down to Sydney for that specific reason this season. They've just seemed to have had a constant stream of new players coming in since Crookie left. Uh, and the side has completely transformed from what it was two months before the, the season was about to start. Uh, and, you know, it was a terrible squad. It's now unbalanced, but a much, much better squad than it ever was before. And possibly the best squad I think they've ever had. Uh, close to it. And Anthony Cre- uh, Anthony Creer as well, I think, has made a yeah. huge difference. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's, he's pushing them. He's pushing them, possibly beyond the limit at times. Um, and, you know, I think he would be one to admit that. But it's what needs to be done. They've got a huge, huge uh, gap to catch up on the rest. As long uh, as there's no more players breaking down with soft tissue injuries, who well, we've seen as a success. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that's going to be the danger, and that's, uh, I think that's going to happen. Uh, and I think Anthony probably knows it's going to happen as well. But they backed off a bit now, haven't they, on the double sessions? Yeah, they, when they went yeah. in, they realised that mm. there was a there was a base fitness level mm. that yeah. they needed to address, and now they've backed off the double sessions. Well, they did a, a what do they call it? A mini pre-season, mini pre-season mid-season. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But Man United do that as well. They do it in December, so they're fitter for the end of the season. They always mm. do that really hard <laughs> early in December. Yeah, so yeah. it needs to be done. Well, you know, crookie. Gee, I don't know what he's doing. It's just so lacking in intensity and structure. It's, uh, yeah, it's an indictment on crookie. Okay, um, John Cosmina is another coach who uh, whose long term future isn't settled yet. I think his contract he was only contracted for this season. Yep. Um, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that he's happy to leave it until the end of the hmm, season. I think he's on a rolling contract. Actually, I don't think he's actually got a contract. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, they're now asking, well, okay, are you going to move in a transfer? Van Dyke's gone out, Caravella's gone out, he's unsure. Unsure could mean, have I got the authority to go and sign well, someone at the moment? Do you think perhaps that uh, for Cosy to come out and say that is, is quite clever on his part because he now turns that back on, on the Adelaide board and says, well, if you want me to make decisions, then you have to make yours first? Yeah, mm. Yeah, um, but again, we're in that we're in that situation where a coach without a contract for next season mm. is potentially costing the club, not just for this season but for next season because the local players that are out of contract will be looking to make arrangements very quickly. Given what uh, happened with Rooney Cullen, though, you can forgive Adelaide for not jumping in with a four-year contract offer for Cos either. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean. Two three years, you would think. But I mean, be on surely though, if you're if you're Greg Griffin, you've seen from where you were last season to where you are now mm. after 17 games. Surely that gives you enough confidence to say, the, okay, well you've earned another year. Go and strengthen the squad. Go and make a put. I mean, they've got injuries. You know, Gita, Ferreira, mm. Karuska, key players all injured, and he needs to go and replace those guys. From at least a, bring in some mm. support. From an outsider's point of view, you've got to think something poisonous is happening within Adelaide. Uh, to have lost the key players they have with no attempt to keep them whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and a very, very terse press It almost seems they're, 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 both of these has been, have been with Adelaide's blessing. It doesn't feel like the players have forced them in. Oh, no, absolutely. It feels like they've been no. forced out. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination. Sergio uh, wanted to go to Indonesia, but presumably because he wasn't feeling loved in Adelaide mm. at all, uh, which is just bizarre. Anyway, I've talked about that before, but uh, to lose Zenon as well, I don't mm. understand that one even slightly. He's he was fans' favourite, club favourite, club championship player last year. Why would you get, let him go? Why wouldn't you play him to keep Fabio Barbiero in his place? It seems 
It's very great, strange. Great to be a fly on the wall at some of these board meetings, wouldn't it? You do wonder, though, uh, and as you said, what does uh, what does Cosy have to do to secure that new contract, or is there just a feeling and in the board that he won't be there next year? Mm. And Cosy yeah. knows all about these sort of things with Sydney as well. Mm. What happened with him? <laughs> um, so he'll he'll be prepared for the worst, I think. But who would you get in for the Reds? That's the thing. If it would appear they may have somebody in mind, if that's the way they're playing at the moment. But who Wait would for that any well, name nothing. come up again? Are you sure, <laughs> Kev? After eight years, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> or in actual fact, they'll decide that Cosy's not for them in April. Spend three months trying to find someone, and then that person comes in four weeks before the start of the season with no room to move. Yeah, I, I think Phil Stubbins is the man for the job. I'm just putting I would, it out there. No, I would agree as well, but Adelaide boards definitely don't agree. And they're the ones that matter, unfortunately. All right, backdrop and subplot to what's been a, a great season and a very, you know, still plenty of promise left for this season is the collective bargaining agreement uh, that is, is under negotiations I think it expires in April uh, the current one um, Brendan Schwab is back on board uh, in a temporary capacity to negotiate this on behalf of the PFA with the FFA um, guys do we see a potential um, standoff on the horizon here when the new TV deal was signed Frank Lowe was very, uh, very, very immediately said this won't result in a rise in the salary cap I think, to be fair, you know, Brendan doesn't appear to be necessarily hunting down, chasing down uh, an increase in the salary cap. Uh, he's going the other route of trying to improve the general package for players. And I think that's fair. You know, the, the salary cap in the A-League, the players aren't overpaid, but they're fairly paid, in my opinion. I, th- I think, you know, you get a reasonable wage for the, the job they do and the environment they're playing in. Um, but what he's now trying to do is uh, create, get a retirement fund for them which I think is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I'm all in favour of that. And increasing the, the education grants that are available for players too, which is another fantastic idea. So you would hope that, that providing the, the PFA backs down on any increase in the salary cap, which I don't think is necessary, uh, that could go through pretty smoothly, you would hope. Uh, I think that would be fair all round. Yeah. Would that be what the players want? In the sense of, in the sense of the, the you know, I think nobody, turkeys salary. aren't going to vote for uh, Christmas. If they were offered a, a higher wage, they would take it. But mm. uh, I don't think. I think you know PFA representing their players, they're suggesting retirement funds and education grants. Sounds like a good idea to me. Steph, any thoughts on this? Yeah, what Kev said. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming up in April, so hopefully we can uh, we can get the season out of the way before this. Obviously, um, the PFA with uh, Nick Holland, who joined as an ex AFL player, left three months after the, after joining quite suddenly, mm. um, and cited a major difference in opinion between the direction that they should be heading into this negotiation. So it suggests that there was. Uh, yeah, there were some issues there that were fundamental that they disagreed on. So yeah. it might be good to have a chat to him, see what he has to say. Yes, yes, it would. All right, uh, quick Aussies abroad, quick round-up. Uh, Adam Federici played a full game as Reading made it back-to-back wins. 2-1 win over on, struggling Newcastle, Newcastle. Could be Villa and Newcastle for a relegation spot. We'll have to get Adam Peacock <laughs> on towards the end of the season. Brad Jones. Um, returned to the uh, Liverpool start line, kept a clean sheet in a thumping of uh, Norwich, 5-0. Um, Schwartz had played a full game in goal, but uh, Man City beat um, beat Fulham 2-0. Brett Holman came on as a substitute for Villa, but 
couldn't do much as we uh, threw away three points at West Brom. Just interestingly on uh, Jones at Liverpool, mm. I saw Pepe Rene's father putting uh, Pepe forward for the Barcelona uh, goalkeeper's job. Barcelona, Man United. Mm. So, um, could be slot well, permanent. With Valdez first... leaving Barcelona, it yep. seems logical. Permanent first team slot available for Proud Jones, possibly next season. Okay. Reese Williams continues his return to full fitness, which is great. Um, Mili Jedinak uh, played 90 minutes for Palace and drew 0-0 with Bolton. Rumours coming out of there that uh, Doogie Freeman is looking to take Jedinak to Bolton with him. Oh, right. If not, yeah, if oh, not in this window that. at the end of the season. Um, mm. Shane Lowry uh, missed the game for Millwall's suspension but will be in action against Villa on Friday night in the FA Cup. Uh, so he might, uh, he might end up marking Brett Holman. <laughs> um, Dean Pisanis. Still there. It's all keepers. Yep. Yeah. That. Played 90 minutes as Oldham, uh, lost 2-1 to Coventry. Uh, elsewhere, Robbie Cruz played 90 minutes, provided an assist for Fortuna Dusseldorf, but they went down 3-2 to Augsburg. Um, Mitch Langerat, unused sub in Dortmund. Uh, in in uh, Holland, Michael Zullo played 90 minutes for Utrecht. They won 2-0. Uh, Tommy Orr's missing through a hamstring problem. Um, Adam Sorota also played the full 90. So there we go. Bit of a action from the Aussies overseas. Ada, talking of Dortmund, mm. next issue we've got a big uh, feature inside Dortmund. Yeah, it's it's a massive feature. We spent some time the magazine in, in Europe, spent some time um, at a club that uh, is doing some fantastic things, and we spoke to Ned Zelich about his time at Borussia Dortmund. Fascinating feature. All right, that's it for part two. We will be back in the final part to preview. Round 18 of the A-League and the W-League Grand Final. So join us after this break. Buying a car is a big commitment. You need to make sure you have the right car at the right price before you sign on the dotted line. So the best thing to do before you buy a car is log on to the Behind the Wheel website. At behindthewheel.com.au, you'll find dozens of unbiased and independent new car reviews. Browse by different manufacturers and find exactly what's right for you. While you're at behindthewheel.com.au, check out the latest car industry news, read motorcycle reviews and news, and pick up some handy road safety tips to don't sign anything until you visit behindthewheel.com.au. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, featuring a world-exclusive one-on-one interview with Man United's Rio Ferdinand. We catch up with high-flying soccerer Brett Holman and Western Sydney's marquee man Shinji Ono. Our secret interviews and player poll lifts the lid on what UK professional football is really all about. And get ready for your new season with 442 Performance's pre-season training guide. If you love football, you love 442. Buy it today at the App Store, Google Play, Zinio, or your local news agent. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider. We're going to start with A-League Round 18 preview and then we will finish, save the best for last, with the W-League Grand Final. (laughs) Uh, Mariners, Friday, host Adelaide. 1v2, although it sort of doesn't feel like that at the moment, does it? No, but that's pretty much Adelaide's season. Uh, I mean, with the exception of the run right at the beginning of the season, they've maintained that second slot almost by default. Uh, And you've got to wonder how much longer they can hold on to it. This game could be the decider for both these teams in many ways. If uh, Mariners can get past Adelaide, they 
potentially set up a big lead for themselves. If they can hold that lead until they meet victory uh, a couple of weeks' time after that, then uh, you've got to think that the title's pretty much theirs in the bag. Uh, so big match for Mariners. Adelaide, basically, if they win this, they're up there with Mariners in top place, which is It's been a relatively even contest this mm. over time. 34 previous meetings between these two sides. What? You find your stats page then. <laughs> 14 Mariners victories, 10 draws, 10 Adelaide wins. They're all up in there, up in the head. <laughs> down there for dancing. Yeah. Steph? Oh, it's two just... foundation clubs going at it. What do we think? Uh, do you know what? I, I quite fancy uh, Adelaide to take this one, but uh, as I said to you before, my tips amount to about a hill of beans, so probably nothing to be read from that. Uh, Adelaide, as uh, Kev just mentioned, have the chance to equalise at the top of the table. I think that's very important for John, particularly as we uh, spoke about uh, his potential contract negotiations as coach for next season. Uh, the Mariners have... Uh, whether it's to do with the, the, all the talk about their players leaving and moving overseas, they seem to perhaps not be as settled as they have in matches gone by. Um, I quite fancy Adelaide for this one, mainly because they have to. Okay. Yeah, Ada? Yeah, I agree. Um, Rogic gets his send-off as well on, on, on mm. the night. He arrives back tomorrow, I believe, uh, after uh, finalising his deal with Celtic. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think Adelaide would have learned from their last, the last time they played. I think they got undone by a long ball, uh, probably the only time... The Mariners played a long ball in that game. They got undone by it. So, uh, yeah, and no, I fancy Adelaide will get something from this. Perhaps it could be a, an arm wrestler, maybe a 1-1 draw. Zlatan McBrinovich, maybe the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my tip. McBrinovich to the rescue. 2-0 uh, Mariners. OK. Yeah. I'm a tip a draw. I think it's going to all concertina up there at the top. Um, all right, the big blue. Becoming a traditional Australia Day fixture, Amy Park. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's now a sellout. Is that right? It is. I think there's yeah. a, a small handful of tickets in restricted view areas still left, which is basically a sellout. Mm. And what an occasion it's become. It's, mm. uh, it's another one of those big uh, recognised almost derbies. Mm. Yeah. I was at the game last year and they had this fantastic you know, Australia Day celebration before where people were getting their citizenship and they were walking on the pitch and the, the crowd is fantastic. It's just a wonderful, wonderful event. And uh, this, I think, will be... This is my tip. This will be the best ever Big Blue we've ever seen. Del Piero, Rojas, Flores, Griffiths, you name it. What, better than the nil-nil in season two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it'll be the best. I think Del Piero coming off his four goals. I just think... Best thing about that guy was the tear gas. That, oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Did you get tear gas? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. 2-2. Um, 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. Kev. I think Victory are lucky to be meeting Sydney FC this week and not a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's obviously come together with for them last weekend against Phoenix, but I still think it's too soon for them uh, to know exactly how they're best operating. With too the soon new for line. Victory? Too, too soon for Sydney uh, to know how they're best operating with the, the new acquisitions and lineup. I can see Victory taking this one. Um, but I think it could be a hell of a good match, and there could be a lot of goals in this. I can see Sydney's defence being porous, but I can also see their attack coming through and uh, scoring two, three goals. I think victory will score more. I mean, some would say that Angie's set up with a false nine 
would play right to Sydney's hands because their defence has proved impossible at marking strikers all season. It's been beyond them. So over the fact that there isn't a striker, it might play into their hands. That will work. That's all part of the uh, the key. It's a cunning plan, Baldrick. Thank you very much. Uh, it is an interesting one, though, because the uh, the matches like this, as we've long said, the form goes out the window and it's impossible to say what the, the atmosphere from the day will bring out on the pitch. Um, I couldn't even guess at a tip. I went so badly wrong against Sydney last week in their 50% shared possession 7-1 win uh, that, that I'd, be, uh, I'd be tempted to go with them this week, just flying on, uh, on confidence off that match. And Joel Griffiths with second match probably keen to prove that uh, his first run out wasn't a flash in the pan. Yeah, I think Sydney will edge it. I, I think that this is the sort of occasion that players like Del Piero, Griffiths, Kalina will not be overawed by they'll take it in a stride they'll go this is this is what we play football for mm. yeah. you know yeah. and Rojas with uh, reportedly scouts from Juventus and Liverpool watching him as well mm. how that'll affect him I don't know yeah. or as someone suggested on Twitter maybe the Juventus scout is actually on the pitch oh <laughs> clever uh, so maybe yeah, he's been back on the phone going hey there's this kid over here yeah. you should maybe come and have a look at yeah fair point yeah. Um, the other great thing about this match is Tickets are for sale on a, at a premium on eBay. I love that. Good sign, that. That's, wow. a, very, That's a good sign. Very healthy sign. Terrible ticket territory, but it's very, very healthy. The demand is there. That's what we should be doing. Smaller stadiums, sell yeah. them out, make tickets make a, it premium. a premium. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait for this. I'm away this weekend. Oh, a, I heard that you'd, you'd booked a 5.30 appointment a, for your, yeah, for your I'm wife. A, I'm on a four-day uh, trip up to Hamilton Island, although my... My plan has been dealt a curveball by the fact that apparently it's copping the tail end of a cyclone and it's going to be sheeting rain <laughs> for four days. I have planned to book Mrs. Sure. J in for a little spa treatment at 5.30 on Saturday, so I'll come and pick you up in a couple of hours. You just go and enjoy yourself. I'm, I must uh, speak to you later. I'd love to know how someone that works in football manages to have these mini breaks mid-season. Yeah, it's called the internet. And the, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it looks like we're going to cop a cyclone, which would be true to form. Uh, all right, Perth Glory, two teams here meeting that really need to win soon to get any hope of uh, salvaging something from this season. Otherwise, for both of these, grand finalists last year mm. would be a, a very disappointing season. And what you exactly said there, both have underperformed mm. immensely. This season, they've been so disappointing, and uh, I think week after week we keep saying it's time for them to hit their straps. But uh, when exactly mm. is that going to happen? Because uh, I thought Perth were disappointing on the weekend against uh, against Melbourne. I expected them to get something from that match, uh, particularly at home. And so now they welcome Brisbane, who, as we've said, are still a little bit all over the place. Perhaps not sure of uh, the way forward under Mulvey just yet. Kev, I mean, you know, where can you put your finger on where it's gone wrong for Perth? Because Start of the season, you know, we were saying they've got this great blend now mm, of yeah. the physicality that, you know, they were getting unfairly criticised for. You know, they could dominate teams physically, mm. but then they could also play. You know, they've yeah. got the best, arguably the best bully, along with Archie Thompson, the best proven striker in the league. Yeah, but unfortunately he's been, he, he's been injured for large parts of this season uh, and not playing to his best the rest of the time. I think that's been a key part of it. He's not been getting a lot of service uh, of the kind that he wants this season. Uh, and it's 
it's those particular places, plus the lack of Andrezinho, of course. So Did no, we get hold of him? No, we're still looking for him. Still right. looking for him. He's in Cyprus. Him down in, in Cyprus. Cyprus. Yeah. Uh, Just to let you know, he, this is his agent. <laughs> Ken was mentioned at Perth we were idiots to let Andrezinho go in every podcast. Uh, you know, so someone's got to get him out of a bar in Ilapa to let him know that there's still a role for him. However, uh, Perth Glory appear to have signed an Argentinian uh, playmaker to uh, post of their attack, a guy called Cordoba, whose pedigree suggests another journeyman, uh, for mm. a foreign A-League journeyman with about 17 clubs under his belt. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad player, uh, but it remains to be seen. Uh, not sure it's necessarily... Is that, is that where they're lacking? I don't think I mean, that's is, where is they're lacking, Miller, to be honest. You know, that they've got Liam them, Mallet, yeah. Miller, they've got McGarry, uh, they've got Smeltz. It's central midfield, pretty well mm. covered, I'd have said. I, I just think with Perth this season, I think last year it was all about the motivation. We talked about motivation before. I think they got to Christmas, they were getting hammered by the press. Fergie was like, it's us and them. And you know what Fergie's like. He's got that real sort of attitude of, well, it's, you know, let's go out and fight. And they fought for the last half of the season and they got to the grand final unexpectedly. I think it's, it's hard to do that in the second season when there isn't that motivation. I think they were at one point nearly bottom of the league. Mm. Yeah. And um, that pressure too, Ado, because yeah, exactly. at the beginning of last season, yeah. I mean, I had certainly predicted Fergie to be the first coach out the door. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I think at Christmas last year, there was, he was that close to being... Yeah. Uh, out yeah. the door uh, he just turned it around in time and got very lucky uh, but having said that he had a better squad last season than he does this this season in my opinion uh, having said that I think Smelsey is back was he ever mm. ever any doubt that he would get back yeah so right. I think that is a positive I think they'll win this one tips mm. Kev 1-1 yeah. um, Perth 2-0 Smelsey to score both Steph Ooh. Perth 2-1 all right, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Narrow, glory win, 1-0 or 2-1. Western Sydney host Melbourne Heart. Yes. Who do we sing for? <laughs> Who do we sing for? Who are we singing for in this one? Kev. Um, this, I think, is going to be uh, Wanderers railroading Heart. Uh, but I said something similar last week and Heart won 2-0. Uh I would. Uh, all money suggests that Wanderers are going to to win this one. You would think, based on recent form, uh, Hart managed to play themselves back into contention. Uh, but it just goes to show how tight it is at the bottom end of the table, where one win can take you off the bottom and put you almost into the top six. So, <laughs> it's uh, quite like that, isn't it? <laughs> a, uh, you got to look at uh, yeah, Wanderers home and dry. To be honest, for me. Okay, I yeah. know. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally agree. I think I think uh, you, you just I've got no confidence in this sort of bipolar Melbourne heart. So I think this is going to be another performance where um, it's hard to back anyone but Wonders for this one. So yeah, definitely Wonders. Well, when so, you think about uh, yeah. eighteen thousand crowd as yes, well. Exactly, you know? uh, lovely atmosphere. Yeah. Australia Day evening at uh, Parramatta Stadium. Uh, yeah, I think Sydney uh, West Sydney Wanderers four two Shinji Ono uh, with the one goal and three assists for the others. Mm. Do you reckon Australia Day flags would Australian flags be banned still on Australia Day? Well, I mean, if anything is un-Australian, surely it's that. <laughs> exactly, but FFA rules. I think they, they would be banned, wouldn't they? Oh, surely not. Well, we shall see. I just hope that the uh, I was saying before. I just hope that the RBB isn't isn't squeezed out because they're fantastic. They are the mm. best 
for me, it was one of the best things of this season. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with them. But mm. yeah. I think it'll be a massive crowd. It, it will be huge. Kids are free as well. Well, and that uh, they've done that wonderful uh, initiative with the, the kids and the family, and when there's no alcohol at that end, they've got the face painting, the jumping castle. I mean, Jacko's always down there. And, uh, <laughs> Easy step. <laughs> 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 Andy, right, can you leave that. Leave that. <laughs> having my face painted. <laughs> Not looking at the kids. I was more thinking <laughs> of the jumping castle, but let's just... Yeah, forget that little one. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> there hasn't been a jumping castle built that can take this job on. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I've got, I've, I must say, at the Sydney game, the, the Sydney fans were actually trying to imitate the RBB. I'm just bringing this back to football now. <laughs> We've lost oh, them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my lawyer? <laughs> oh, visual. Anyway, I mean, we've talked a bit about, um, and we've given the FFA some credit for the scheduling this season. Uh, you know, yeah. And is this another, um, you know, do we see Australia Day becoming, you know, football's day in the future? You know, then think, we've got Anzac Day with the AFL, yeah. the traditional Anzac Day clashes in the NRL and AFL. You know, is this a, is this a day with a bit of clean air for, for obviously, you know, cricket with Boxing Day? That this can become one of those dates that becomes about the football and mm. going to the football and taking your family to the football. Similarly, like uh, they did with New Year's. As well, yeah, 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 yeah. Although I think, I think, I think in Melbourne last year, I found that there would have been a bigger crowd. There's so many things to do on Australia Day that mm. it's hard to get that bigger crowd if you don't have a Del Piero. Yeah, but I, mm. I think it's establishing a tradition. You're going to yeah, have a, you a slow yeah. year one. Yeah, 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 yeah no, it's got to it's got to build up, and I think it's a perfect opportunity to claim the day. And I think it's also a good bit of scheduling to have the big blue as the feature match but still have good matches uh, around that but not stack it all with uh, yeah. rivalry rounds. But that's uh, great that, that uh, the big blue is the earliest one scheduled, that's at 5.30 and that would probably be the riskiest time slot so yeah. the fact that one's sold out, they're, they're yeah. home and dry there the other one's in the evening, still pretty much family friendly, Wanderers yeah. might get a little yeah. bit late but but also, I think you know, I think it's a day when, as you touched on with, with citizenship service <coughs> happening on the pitch, Amy Park. It's yeah, it's a day that a lot of people from all around the world mm. become Australians. That probably football's their first yeah. first sport, you yeah, know. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's like right, going to become citizen, and we're going to go to football, you know. It's yeah, nice yeah. balance, yeah. And I had I not been going to Hamilton Island, I would have been becoming a citizen on the, on Saturday. Really, at, yeah. at the game. No, not at the game at Sutherland. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, you'd done the whole citizen. Yeah, I'm done. I'm in. You passed. Unbelievably, yeah. Aussie, yeah. I mean, Aussie considering I hang around all those kids' playgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they approved it before this podcast. It's amazing what these police reports miss, isn't it? So, Jacko, when do you get your Southern Cross tat? Uh, it's already there. No, it's, uh, <laughs> no. I don't do tat. So, Jacko, will you tat. be saying words like fair dinkum? You know, as always, yeah. yeah. As yeah. always, yeah. Uh, there'll be yeah. no change in my vocab. <laughs> It will always be as limited as it ever has been. <laughs> All right, uh, over the Tasman, Wellington Phoenix round out the round with the uh, Newcastle Jets. How do we see this one going? Phoenix on a high. Expansive 50%, Phoenix. 50% possession. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you say? You can't go and say, look, lads, we've got to create a few more chances this week. <laughs> we've got to have a bit more of the ball. Yeah, I think Ricky will be saying to Stein... Hesigams. Stain Hesigams. Stain Hesigams. They said, look, you could have had a no, hat trick. I think he'll be saying, I tell you, you have a spell on the bench. <laughs> Paul Eiffel, starting. Ah, look, I think he'll be playing five strikers and uh, saying to the bosses of the club, yeah, this is how you want it. We're going to do it. Um, yeah, uh, Heskey, of course, playing uh, in this game. Be interesting to see how he goes up against Durante. Um, but this won't be a pretty game. 
reckon Ricky's playing to uh, save his career? I think he might be. Could be his he's job still on the line. New Zealand, though. Yeah. But well, that's I interesting, though. After he's had how many halcyon years of uh, doing a stupendous job at both, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. this is the first season where we've sort of yeah. looked at him and gone, hmm. I mean, if, if that happens, you know, let, let's say, and Steph, your, your view on this, if we see that separation of roles and Ricky Herbert continues as national team coach, but he's no longer Wellington Phoenix coach, do we think that might hurt the All Whites? Ooh, that's an interesting one because there's such a large crossover. Because they've almost been the a club team, and they've yeah. had Indeed. that. Whilst the talent maybe is not there, and we saw it in the last World Cup. You know, they were so well organised, mm. so used to playing with each other, so used to the coach. Do you, do you think perhaps though that it'd give uh, Ricky uh, perhaps a little bit more objectivity because mm. then he will see those players mm. not as his own team, and yeah. he won't be so deep within the the club mantra from week to week that he'll be able to look at them differently. I, I think he'll also see players that he had never given consideration to before. Well, against the other games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll spend yeah. more time in Europe looking at their... Yeah, but hmm. also, you know, I think Phoenix won't be the same side without him in charge. The new boss will come in, he'll bring in new players, he'll play existing players in different ways, perhaps, and he will have more variety uh, well, it gets refreshed, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, it's going to be a refreshment. It's going to be a variety in uh, the players and uh, the options available to him. I think it, it would be a good thing for the All White uh, for that to happen. I think it, it's been too tied up uh, for too long now. And, you know, it worked. Ricky's management style works well for the All Whites, mm. not so well for the Phoenix. They're never going to uh, win the title the way that the All Whites play, for example. Mm. But the All Whites, are, are, there's a lot more attacking talent for the All Whites than I think he's got at club level. I mean, you look at the look at the players they've got: Smeltz, Rice. I mean, they've got a hell of a mm. team. Yeah, but you Wood, put, you put them into an international environment. Chris outside Wood's of at the moment. Great reviews at Leicester. But yeah. all the All Whites are really interested in is not losing points when they're playing outside of Oceania. Uh, and they've got CONCACAF for their, if they win Oceania, they play the fourth in con- yeah. CONCACAF, which could be a Panama, could be a Yarrow Yarrow. Honduras. Honduras. Mm. Could even be um, Costa Rica. Yeah. You know, or Trinidad but, Tobago. But when, you've got, yeah. when you've got that mentality of where you're just trying not to lose points against opposition, if you take that into a club level, you're going to be mid-table at best. You're never going to win the title if you're just trying not to lose points. I mean, particularly in a league where there's no relegation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, so, tip. Kev. Um, Jets, 2-1. I don't. Phoenix to bounce back, 3-1. Steph? A torturous one-all draw. <laughs> Does yeah, have that written all over I'll, I'll, tip, I'll tip a draw in this. All right, so let's move quickly on to the showpiece of the weekend. We've oh. got the big blue on the Saturday, and Steph... Tell us your, what you've christened this for the Sunday. Let's call it the Big Bluette. There we go, the Big Bluette. Back at Amy Park. Um, and so now there were a few people that were saying, oh, why don't you move it and you know play it as the curtain raiser to the A-League game? And, and I, for one, agree with the fact that you know this is the grand final for these players and it shouldn't be a curtain raiser to anything. Forgetting the logistics, obviously, of an ABC crew and... And yeah, obviously from group. a broad broadcast yeah. perspective that, that wouldn't work. And the, the ladies do deserve their their own time in the sun, especially after such a wonderful W League season. Having said that, if the curtain raiser would give them a really healthy crowd, then you can imagine they would like to play in, in front of a full stadium, whether it was before an A-League match or not. But with a sellout crowd the day before, potentially one solution is just to say anyone that's at this game can come along again tomorrow. Indeed, and that's what happened over in, in Perth uh, for the semi-final. Uh, 
Perth hosted Melbourne and anyone that went to bizarrely the Perth Melbourne match the night before in the A League could then get in free and Perth also offered the opportunity for all their members just to show their card and they could get free entry as well which uh, I believe FFA are working on for Amy Park because they yeah. understand how important it is uh, to get fans to Amy Park because uh, that place is is cavernous without enough people. Uh, so we're really hoping that uh, this match will draw them in because, ironically, again, it is the exactly the same fixture as the A-League is the night before. Uh, the two teams have played fantastic football this season, and I think a lot of people would be pleasantly surprised if they experienced the women's football for the first time at, at how much it's progressed in, in speed, uh, technical ability, mm. tactics. And uh, the fight between these two teams, Melbourne Victory have never been in a W League grand final. So for them, it is a massive moment. Sydney FC would like a second trophy. Uh, it's 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 going to be an absolute cracker. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, you think for the fans as well, having been there the day before, it's a long weekend... Mm. Well, you know, what, what it's we Sydney also... versus Melbourne. I know that. I think I definitely know that the BWB are planning on being there in force, uh, and you'd hope that the the, the Cove members that are travelling down that are staying for the Sunday would would get along. Well, I've heard that some of uh, some of them have actually changed their flights uh, to be able Good. to be there for the Sunday, and if they can get some sort of rivalry going going there, we all know what that that adds to a match. And and Victory should be rightly proud of their side. They had uh, they're on their third coach of the season. Uh, they've lost three players, two key players, to ACL injuries throughout the season. Uh, they had the Welsh captain playing for them, Jessica Fishlock, who was, uh, I call her talismanic. She was absolutely sensational for them. She had to go home because her guest didn't finish at Christmas time. And they've just had trials and tribulations and overcome all of them, and they truly deserve to be there. Sydney FC will be without Elise Perry, who, as we know, did play last week. She chose football over cricket last week, but uh, she leaves on Friday for the World Cup uh, with the cricket side, so she won't be there, and she adds a nice balance to that that Sydney ty- uh, Sydney side. Uh, Stage played her further forward last week, which is really interesting. Normally she was uh, more of a defensive midfield or defensive player, and uh, he seems to be using her to, uh, to good effect in the Sydney side, so he'll need to fill that gap. Emma Kette, as I mentioned in the review, uh, saw a red late in uh, in their semi-final, so she won't be there, and she's been brilliant for them up front as well. Having said that, they do have the likes of, say, the uh, Kaya Simons, Sam Kerr's uh, up front. So, um, well, I don't know. It is one of those ones where you think anything could happen. I tipped both semi-finals incorrectly, mm. and it's uh, <laughs> it's teams. And the interesting thing is, both away in teams won in the finals, yeah. which you never see in in the you rarely see in the A League. Yes, um, and uh, it's interesting. The victory did it without Jodie Taylor this year. Yeah, you know, a gold machine for them. So who would have thunk it? Yeah, mm. just one thing you mentioned there about victory dealing with a, a couple of players out with ACL. It seems to be increasingly common with the with the female players over the last two years, an incredible number. Unbelievable. I spoke to Elise Kellon-Knight, uh, the Matilda who just returned this season with Brisbane Raw. Uh, she was out for the requisite 12 months with uh, an ACL, and she was also shocked at, at how large that number is. And they're still trying to work out exactly what it was. Uh, some medical uh, professionals thought it was perhaps hormonal, where there was a bit more elasticity and perhaps flexibility in those ligaments. Uh, others say it's the different way that the women build up the balance between quads and hamstrings. But no one's actually been able to put 
a finger on it, and something needs to be done about it. Perhaps it's the incorrect way they're training. I mean, is, is it I mean, the something? Stats are I mean, yeah. is, is it something that's unique to Australia, or is it something that is happening in women's football globally? An, an increase in ACL injuries? Do we know? I think it is. With um, Fiona Campbell. Yep. Crawford. Crawford. Sorry, Fiona Crawford um, did a blog for us a couple of years ago, uh, specifically about ACLs, and the the rate compared to men is just astronomical, and it is, it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's a global phenomenon. I'm just curious, though, if the W League was longer, up to you know a respectable level of 20 to 30 games, how much that would be impacted by injuries in that case then? Uh, you wonder whether it would perhaps not be such an intense period. Oh, that's true. Uh, and, yeah. and if yeah. you recall, yeah. most, most, in fact, I would say 90% of these women are not full-time footballers because they can't be. They don't get. Uh, they either don't get paid or they only get travel covered. Uh, so perhaps it's not as much time to commit to uh, fine-tuning the body. I mean, yeah. they're all athletes. Yeah. They're all in fantastic yep. shape. But uh, the injuries do have to stop. I wrote an article on it last season saying it was ludicrous that there were so many injuries. And uh, this season there's even more. Mm. And uh, Melbourne suffered hugely. They lost Ashley Brown, who you asked about young guns coming through. She was one of them. Her and Steph Catley at Melbourne were fantastic. Uh, and she's gone. I think it was first or second week. Mm. So where do, you think the, where do you think the game's going to be won and lost <sighs> this weekend? Come on. Yeah, the team that scores the most goals will win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and concedes the least. There you go. For me, all right, let's put it that way. Who has to play well for Melbourne to win this in their first grand Ooh, final? All right. Well, Melbourne has had the meanest defence all season. And uh, while they did ship three goals against Newcastle in the uh, in the last round of the regular season, uh, they've held up really, really well. Uh, Micah Reuter-Hooley needs to have another blinder. Uh, she was fantastic in the centre of defence. Danielle Johnson, their captain, uh, also in the back line. They've just held so, so tight. Uh, I think they can slot them away up front, Melbourne, as long as they manage to play it out from the back. Uh, they've got Bree Davy, who's uh, the current Matilda's number one uh, between the sticks as well, and she's had an outstanding season. She's been wonderful for the Matildas, and uh, she's, that's translated beautifully to uh, to Melbourne victory. Uh, for Sydney FC, um, they have the strike force. I'm not so sure that their defence is as watertight as Melbourne's can be. Uh, when you think about the likes of Kaya Simon linking up with Sam Kerr uh, and Teresa Palias, who's <laughs> she probably comes up to my armpit, but she's one of the fittest, yeah. fastest uh, players that, I've seen on a football pitch. She's incredible. Uh, Alan Stagic, as I said to you guys earlier, has had 12 new players come to the team. He's got a young side. He's brought out the best in them. He, he deserves to be here. And he said that his anger management classes have helped him. <laughs> and uh, he's been quite uh, <laughs> quite calm on the bench. Uh, they've got the likes of, say, I mentioned before, that Larissa Crummer, that, that young gun that uh, Stagic brought through. And also Nicola Bolger, who started on the bench uh, the last two weeks. But she scored a world-class goal to qualify them for the semi-finals uh, so she's capable of that super sub role and, and may get a starting gig with both Perry and Kete out uh, so Melbourne will have to hold tight at the back and Sydney will have to score at the front Okay, mm. Gee, sounds like regular football Tim. doesn't it? Uh, I think Melbourne should do it uh, equally wouldn't be stunned Be cool, Ado For me Speranovic and McDonald are probably the key and I think they might be the ones who will score the winning goal. So one of them too. So, yeah, victory 3-2. Kev? I would say Sydney just be awkward and different. 
No idea why. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll be watching, won't you? Absolutely. Right, Even though, sorry, the broadcast quality is quite not what you're used to. <laughs> and what time is the broadcast, Steph? <laughs> uh, it kicks off ABC One, 3.30 p.m. on Sunday. Fantastic. And good on the ABC for their continued commitment to women's football. Thank you. There we go. Um, <laughs> All right, we will keep you posted. Uh, we'll follow up with the FFA, and, and, and if they do announce uh, the, the ticket situation, that if you have a ticket for the Big Blue on Saturday, you can get in on Sunday. We'll make sure that everybody is aware of that. Um, but if you are down in Melbourne for the weekend, get along and support mm. the girls on the on Sunday. It's, it's, been, great it's been the best season ever, I think, in the W League, ever. Unbelievably yeah. close. All right, that's it. Steph, thanks so much for coming in. My Always pleasure, gents. to have you on. Hey, Kev. Yeah. If you enjoy your Australia Day weekend, make football part of it, and we will uh, see you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.